Welcome to Ultiverse of Q, your guide to the ultimate universe. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And today we're talking about Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate Iron Man. Two things that you should not put on your body. Truth. Uh, yeah, so we'll be covering Ultimate Spider-Man numbers 33 through 39, a.k.a. Venom first, which was written by Brian Michael Bendis, with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Art the Baron Rodney Ramos, and colors by Transparency Digital, with letters by Chris Eliopoulos. And if you don't remember from last time, uh, Peter got dumped by Mary Jane for a number of very valid reasons. Oh, many, many reasons. And so we start off with him taking things pretty rough in the basement. Uh, After accidentally smashing his phone, he stumbles into a hidden storage closet with his dad's notes and records and stuff and sneaks out with a videotape where he sees his family spending time with Aunt May and Uncle Ben, along with the Brocks, another family of researchers, and their older son, Eddie Brock Jr. Aunt May came in while he was watching the tape got reminded that Uncle Ben existed, felt really sad, got reminded that the Brocks existed, and so Peter finds out that Eddie Jr. lost his father and mother in the same crash that killed his own parents, so he reaches out to Eddie, they decide to meet up, and Eddie is currently a student at Empire State University. And always looking great. With those great goatees that all of the teens love to wear. That's why they called us goat teens. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, he's got himself a soul patch and a roommate, and he's studying bioengineering. Peter reveals that he found some of his father's research, and Eddie's been working on it as well. They talk, Peter mentions he broke up, and Eddie tells him girls in high school won't matter in five years, and to just live. I I, I do like how they do a really good heel turn with Eddie in this part because Mm -hmm. like the advice that he gives kind of does seem reasonable for Peter's exact situation. And he does seem to be a good friend at first. Mm -hmm. Peter gives Eddie a copy of the video and then Eddie brings him to the lab at the Reed Richards science center where he has a mysterious black bottle. He refers to as their inheritance, a bottle of goo. Meant to be the cure for cancer. And it's another weird appearance of Reed Richards. Who we have yet to cover at all. Yeah, like... Well, I guess except for the Marvel team up. Which I think is going to get retconned away. Oh, 100%. So, Eddie has been working on the uh black goo with dr kirk connors previously seen a marvel team up when he was the lizard and he fought man thing and so doing research they found out that it was meant to be tailored to each patient genetically and that it would help to direct the body to fight things like cancer and would also have other benefits like enhancing natural abilities but they ended up running out of money for research So they went to work for Trask Industries, who tried to take it away from them legally. And then when they tried to go and meet with a lawyer, they died in a plane crash on the way home. And nobody is really sure what happened to Trask Industries, which I don't remember what happened there either. Yeah, me neither. So, because I mean, if you're 
not familiar, Boulevard Trask is the guy who makes symbiotes in X-Men. Sentinels. Yeah, it's true. It's a Sunday morning, then. It is a Sunday morning. And so Eddie's grandpa had kept the sample frozen. They've now been looking at it in the lab, but Dr. Connors doesn't think it will work and that it is not alive anymore. Peter wonders whose DNA was used to make it, and he finds out that it was his father's. Daddy Parker. Then the next day at school, Gwen and Peter almost bump into Mary Jane, but Gwen stops him from talking to her. And then Eddie rolls in in his cool car that he got from his dad. And the three head off, and Mary Jane is worried, and is missing Peter. While they hang out at the mall, Kirk Connors calls in about bringing Peter and Flat. <clears throat> about bringing in Peter, and Eddie invites them. While they hang out at the mall, uh, Kirk Connors calls about bringing Peter to the lab, and Eddie invites them, mostly Gwen, to hang out, and then to listen to some super cool reggae. <laughs> Peter is worried, though, and has to leave, and starts digging the files, and finds his dad saying to never trust suits. So he suits up Spider-Man and prepares to steal a sample. But a bit of it touches him, and starts to spread all over his body forming the black spider suit. When a group of kidnappers try and steal a pop star, the new symbiote-empowered Spider-Man goes after, finding that he can rip the roofs off of cars, take bullets without being injured, produce webs with the symbiote goo, and he's able to stop the limo before it hits a bus with the kidnappers captured. When the police tell him to stand down, he runs off. Next, he goes off to face the Shocker and is easily able to take the Shocker's shocks this time. And it was luckily from the news who decides they are going to exonerate him. But then when he chases after someone who robbed and shot someone at a grocery store, uh, the suit causes him to start to imagine that it was the person who killed his Uncle Ben! And he venoms out and almost kills the man, but he stops and starts to fight the suit falls onto some electrical cables, and then ends up nude in front of his family's grave. That's actually just a hobby for Peter, just winding up naked in front of his family's grave. You know, if you don't have your family live, it's the next best thing. Mm-hmm. Gwen and Eddie then go back to his dorm, and he tries to give her the same shtick about who they're going to remember in the next five years, and then attempts to kiss her, and she points out that she is 15 years old, and he is a man in college. And that he misled her, and then she leaves. He turns on the TV and sees the symbiote Spider-Man, and goes to check out his sample to find Peter there taking the sample. Peter tries to explain how dangerous it is, and when Eddie tries to threaten him, Peter accidentally reveals that he has powers, and so Peter tells him what happened, truthfully. Peter explains he doesn't want to let this fall into the wrong hands, and Eddie says it's the last thing of his father, and Peter says he plans to destroy it and that he regrets how things happened, but that he trusts Eddie with his secrets. Eddie seems fine with everything, and Peter tosses it into an industrial fire. And when he comes home to talk to Gwen, who tells him Eddie is a dirtbag who didn't respect her, Gwen tells him flat out that he is a bad guy, and then we flash back to Eddie, who reveals that he is not a horrible scientist, and he had a secret second sample. I do like that Peter is pretty quick to accept that, oh yeah, no, Eddie's not a great guy, and Gwen does not hold anything back about that. Nope. And so Peter wakes up from a dream where he venomed out, 
and he goes to talk to MJ and asks if she misses him, and she says that she does, but she isn't sure what's been up with him because he's been hanging out with Eddie and Gwen. And he explains that he regrets what happened, says that he still loves her, and then he leaves. That night, as the radio talks about the Hulk attack, which means that this should also be before the second part of the Ultimates. Uh, so reading order guy, I don't think your reading order is super great. Nope. The janitor finds Eddie covered in the symbiote, but it's more of a blobby thing as opposed to a suit, and so it eats the janitor. Eddie struggles to control the symbiote, and he realizes that it is eating him, and so he goes on to attack me two security guards. Then at school, Peter's spider sense is going up, and he sees Venom out trying to live on his memories, and he goes to meet it, and Eddie attacks him as the suit is controlling him now. Peter tries to reach out to Eddie, knowing the suit is attacking him, so he runs, so he goes to run, and Venom starts chasing him. They fall into an electric wires again, and when Peter tries to pull him out, it, um, it tries to bond to him, and it needs to stabilize, but Peter refuses. The police show up and shoot Venom, who then steps on the electric wire, and in a large blast, nothing is left but dust, and Peter goes home to watch the video of his father talking about what he had hoped the suit would be. Peter then goes to follow Nick Fury, uh, who doesn't really notice him uh, till about an hour later. Fury is able to temporarily neutralize his powers so they can talk. And Peter wants to have his powers taken away. Fury says no and is trying to figure out what happened. And he figures out that it was probably him fighting Venom. And Peter thinks that he killed Venom. And Fury is less sure because, hey, there was no body left behind. Peter still wants to be cured, and Fury tells him that, you know, you're going to work well with the Ultimates ultimately. You get to work with Bruce Banner, who has done nothing wrong in his life, Peter. Which, once again, probably before the second half of the Ultimates at least. Uh-huh. And Peter asks what happened to his father. Fury says he doesn't know and tells him to go watch some rap videos for the sexy women with the good thoughts. And he tells him to make an appointment next time he wants to talk. And that's when Fury leaves, so he can go watch some rap videos with the sexy ladies and their butts. Also, this was weird, because that's when they also implied that Nick Fury is like only like 31. Which is like, yeah, it's no. Nick Fury aged in a booty. Either that or, man, he was in college for a long time. Or he went later or- in life. Or he went to college multiple times. It didn't say what degree he was working on. Fair. Because, I mean, he went to college in India. You're studying a broad program. That's junior year, Luke. Maybe he just took a long... Well, we know that he served in the military, so maybe he uh, served his time in the military, used the GI Bill to pay for his mm, student loans. Fair. Uh, so here's our title, How Nick Fury Paid for His Student Loans. <laughs> the most important Marvel continuity. Absolutely. Uh, he then heads to Eddie's apartment and finds that Eddie has left the apartment and took all of his possessions. His roommate explains that Eddie was a loser and a liar, and that every time a girl dumps him, he would just, like, become a psycho, which is actually not how I thought this story was going to wrap up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter then heads to the lab next and turns off the security. 
You find Dr. Kurt Connors there, who's put everything together and thanks him for saving his life and for keeping it a secret and promises that he will do the same. Connors explains the symbiote and all the files were taken and Kurt asks if it is a sign that they should be, if they shouldn't be doing what they are doing, messing with humanity, and he apologizes that his father has this legacy. And then Peter tries to find Eddie, but to no avail. Also, I he, Eddie did because I oh, forgot God. how this story ended. I thought he was gonna find Eddie like going like stalking Gwen. No, I think that's later. Could but be. yeah, I I didn't remember how a lot of this went either. Like there were some good twists, and also a lot of references to Eddie doing weed and never paying people for it. Mm-hmm. So what if it was the weed that made the symbiote really <laughs> react badly to Eddie? We have emotions, Eddie. Yes. But yeah, I think it's a lot more of a mixed story compared to like the last few arcs that we've had. Uh-huh. It's still good, but like this is where that like escalation sort of dips down a bit. We then move on to Ultimate Iron Man. Uh, part one, numbers one through five, written by Orson Scott Card with pencils by Andy Kubert, inks by Danny Mickey, Bat and Jesse Delperdong, with colors by Richard Isonov, Dave McCaig, and Laura Martin, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. So, years ago, Howard Stark introduced Dr. Maria Serrera to the Stark Defense Corps and a new blue bio-armor that he invented, made out of living bacteria, that was not only able to catch impact, but also to eat metal. It's not strong enough to stop bullets, and also it will eat flesh after a while, but you can just wash it off with soap. It's very weird. And yeah, he invited weird. And he also invited Maria to work for him, making regenerating skin. Uh... This is a weird story, and summarizing it, I don't know if it'll be... It's going to be slightly clearer, just because I don't think Orson Scott Scott Card understands how comics work. But also, it's a super compressed story. Oh, yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, though, his wife, Lonnie Stark, is getting lunch with Zebediah Stan, and they are planning evil things. She wants to divorce Howard and give half the stock to Zebediah so that they can steal the company. Time passes, and Howard is now married to Maria and doesn't care about the takeover. Maria goes in to check on the test monkey that she is working on, which breaks through her biosuit and infects her with a big old virus. She also finds out that she's pregnant, so she ends up in the hospital, and that is probably a bad thing for the baby. Howard signs over the company stock, and the monkey that bit Maria has new nerve tissue growing, meaning its brain is too big. Maria is going through the same thing, but Maria, with her super brain, knows it will mean that her baby's entire body will be his brain, but he will also be in constant pain. Yeah, so this is a story all about how Maria Stark was bit by a monkey and her son's brain is through his entire body. It's, you know, it's Iron Man, the guy that you love, Tony Stark. That's why he's a big old nerd. He is the biggest of nerds. (laughs) How nerdy is he? We'll get to that when we get to how this is retconned. Anyways, Howard is now driven and is still working to perfect the biotech armor when Stane comes in. And Stane uh, ends up picking up the phone because he owns the company now and finds out that Maria died and they are trying to deliver the baby. 
So Howard leaves to take his son, who is not crying, but is in pain for some reason. And he decides to cover his baby with a blue armor and names him after Antonio Maria's little brother who died early on. He then steals his baby. Also, Obadiah say, or also Zebediah Sane finds out that Howard never actually patented his armor because he doesn't like people having access to the blueprints. And so he does not actually own any of the armor files. And the employees were actually contractors working directly for Stark. So he has nothing except for a new wife who is already cheating on him. And he has caused the stock prices of Stark's company to fall. That way he was able to buy what else he needed. And now it has no value. So he is very angry. Harrod and Sima, a research assistant, leaves behind Nero, the other researchers who tested the bioarmor, who was captured, and they use a brain drain machine, the lid on him, and drop him off at Stark's new base in Genoa, Italy. He's left mentally broken, so they start a new life on the run. And just because I had not written that note out, it stains people who use the brain drain machine on him. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of uncomfortable because it's like they sort of make him mentally retarded yeah yeah like yeah they make a lot of really orson scott card made a lot of really weird choices and it's hilarious at the end of the first part of the story when it's like oh yeah we love all these ideas that orson scott card has presented for ultimate iron man So, four years later, Tony Stark is still being tracked. Stane sends people to steal Tony. Uh, Nero is the only one who notices him doing this, tries to stop him, gets murdered with a pencil, and then Tony is brought to the lid. They clear off some of the blue nanites on him and try using it on him, but it doesn't work. Howard and his SWAT team come in, and they save Tony, but not before part of his foot was cut off. But it's already healing, and Howard calls Tony his little Iron Man. Also, Stane is sent to prison. Lonnie and her son with him, Obadiah, go to visit him, and she plans to divorce him and take half of what he owns. Classic Stane. Ten years later, though, T Tony is finally allowed to go to school, where he ends up making a nanoswarm to attack some inner-city kids who were hassling him. But this isn't his actual school. He goes back to his fancy school, the Breton Academy, where he sees Rhodey being picked on for being the only black kid there, and when they call him Quota. He attacks them with his swarm, and then challenges them to smash his head into a wall first, and then he gets to do the same to them. And when he gets out okay, the bullies run off, but Rhodey's angry because he'll be a bigger target, and is really poorly written. Uh, the two then go to KFC, of course, and Tony wins over Rhodey with some racist tropes in a very weird way. It's not good. It's very uncomfortable. And, um, yeah, it, it's like the only two black people in this who are named are both incredibly smart, maybe as smart as Tony, and who also are very poorly developed as characters. Mm -hmm. And also, they're fine with everything that Tony starts. Orson Scott Card is not a good writer based on this alone. Yeah. Yeah. 
like sure Ender's Game was a book with a very good twist but also never read it oh okay you're you're fine not reading it it turns out the humans were the bad people what and millions of people were being sacrificed in a war that everybody thought was just video games Nice. Uh, so, yep. So when they get home, they find Lonnie Stain waiting there. Tony knows about her, and he tells her to go wait for his dad. Because uh, he was busy trying to work on some armor. When Howard gets home, he is offered his stock back if he will get Obadiah into a fancier school than Tony gets to go to. And Howard tries to tell Tony off for being rude to Lonnie. And he says, you never show emotions, which doesn't make sense like howard is written so weirdly in this story howard was having lots of emotions throughout this entire story so far yeah and then when tony asks about going into the genius school howard says that he wants tony to be a secret that's why he's gonna be sent off to the Vilford academy neither seen nor heard Uh, but the next day, Tony shows Rhodey's armor in the furnace room when the bullies show up, and Rhodey's able to zap them, but not before the bullies team up and toss Tony into the furnace. I wonder how that's going to turn out. Rhodey, meanwhile, starts to learn how to harness the armor. In Nefaria, another student... Nefara. <laughs> that would be a twist if she was Ultimate Madam. It would be. Another student sends them running and helps Tony out of the fire. Rhodey asks them to call Howard and to get some Tony some food, and Tony gets the armor back from Rhodey. The bullies say that they were hired by someone claiming to be Tony's dad, trying to teach him a lesson, and when Howard gets there, the main burns are done, and Howard withdraws Tony from the school, and he's like, yeah, I know they would have a problem with the lawsuit since two of the witnesses are black, which... Hmm... Orson Scott Card, yeah, there's a point there but also <sighs> it could have been uh, phrased Howard... way better yeah like you needed a, another few passes and uh, Howard worried about Rhodey and Nefara uh, enrolls them into the secret school at the Baxter building which is where Obadiah also is and when they all get into the elevator, Obadiah steals a hair, which everybody fucking notices, and it becomes a major plot point, and it's really dumb. Seems dumb. Also, Howard is using the Baxter Building organization to train people to work for him. I think that's smart. It is, but it's also just weird that it's the Baxter Building. Yeah, well, yes. Meanwhile, that little dick Obadiah leads two kids on the roof to see if their flying tech will work, and he is really just pushing both of them off the roof to their death. Meanwhile, Tony makes a prototype armor capable of flight. Time passes, Rhodey starts developing War Machine, a mechanical gauntlet, because, yeah, sure. And Tony starts developing the armor, and it turns out Rhodey and Nefara have to be developing the War Machine suit, which Tony will get, and Rhodey will get Iron Man, and Howard is not happy about this at all. 
Then at Sing Sing, Zebediah's stain is busted out by a hitman who then murder him, claiming to be sent by Howard Stark. At a party, Tony steals his first drink of alcohol when Howard is told that Zebediah was killed, and he is called in to consult, but because he knows too much about the murder, without being supposed to, without, uh, uh, is called in to consult about the murder, but he knows too much without being told anything, and they had that damn single hair as evidence that he was behind it. Dum bum bum. Tony shows up for a business meeting for stock work because his dad gave him a lot of permissions. Howard asks C. Ma to look after Tony, who is now drinking a lot. And it's supposed to... What it's supposed to be doing is because his brain's always hurting, the alcohol's kind of supposed to just numb it. But he decides to prove them wrong and seats up when he heard a fairy gets hijacked. Tony gets on board and knocks out some of the people, but when he tries to uh, stop the bombs, they're exploded with all the people saved, and he survived, but the armor gets ruptured. Yeah, it's... Like, that's where they are like, oh, yeah, this is enough of a first part of Iron Man. Like, I... Mm-hmm. I... It's like, that's not how miniseries works. Yeah. What if you had not got Iron Man 2? I I don't know why they would have wanted to give him more after this, because it also came out like two years yeah. later. Uh, Ultimate Iron Man 2, numbers 1 through 5, was written by Orson Scott Card with pencils by Pasquale Ferry, colors by Dean White, and letters by VCS Corp. The I do kind of like Pasquale Ferry's work mm-hmm. a bit more. But also, it's still not a good story. They just get to slow everything down because they aren't jumping years into the future. Which was smart. So the government calls on Stark to turn over information because they think that he sent in a robot to stop the bomb. And meanwhile, Tony is recovering and Seema turns over the fact that Mark Scott, the CEO of Whiplash LLC, hired them because the ferry was going to go into a Stark building and destroy it. And, like, Whiplash's motivation was he wants to stop producing windmills and make weapons again. And so in Texas, Mark meets with Dolores, who is a little person who hired him to destroy Howard Stark and still needs to do that. that makes sense. He wants to stop making windmills. Where... As we've learned recently, windmills cause cancer. Whiplash doesn't want to be a part of that. I I guess. I mean, there's less medical bills if you kill someone with mm-hmm. bullets. It's, it's just they bring all of this stuff in here all of a sudden and it's like, oh, I guess we need to have corporate intrigue with our Iron Man. And it just does not make a lot of sense. If you want to bring in some great corporate intrigue into your Iron Man stories, please consider hiring Matt Fraction. That man knew how to do it. Uh, The government then sends agents who are just a bunch of bald men to secure an Iron Man robot, so Tony asks them to scare Obadiah while he checks with Brody. Tony gets them to explain they want to use the robot to destroy a terrorist camp, and Tony accepts. When Tony catches up with his dad, though, his dad is upset because he thinks that they keep giving away all their secrets. 
Rhodey decides that he wants to go on the mission with Tony, so they both suit up in their suits and pretend to be robots because the government agents really don't have a choice of either getting, like, they can either get zero robots or two robots, and they are completely unaware that Tony and Rhodey are inside. Obadiah, meanwhile, com- Obadiah, meanwhile, goes to complain to Dr. Mulevic, who is Mole Man, except that never really matters here. Yeah. Uh, claiming that the agents had threatened him, which they didn't actually do. They just went into the room and were quiet, and he... Obadiah is just... They should have threatened him. They should have just started looking at Obadiah and being like, yo, what ends up like, daddy? Yeah. So the the agents give the Iron Man guns and then fly them off to their target and drop them off, presumably uh, alerting the camp because they dropped them off with a helicopter. Tony and Rhodey approach. They kill some terrorists wantonly until they find a kid with a suicide vest. And they end up finding that kid's dad inside who was forced to send the kid to blow them up for some reason. Tony saves the kid's dad, reveals that he's human, and then they find another bomb that blows off Tony's arm and part of the suit. And while they were doing this, the soldiers uh, weren't able to find them, so they attacked another base and then don't try and find the uh, robots at all. It's like, I don't know what the end goal of this is supposed to be, well, eventually we'll know what the end goal is. Yeah, but none of that is established True. here. And that end goal, I think, is just because, oh, this was bad. Elvis? TV. The next day, Siva uh, meets with the agents to, to tell them that they're unhappy and that she has records of everything that they did including some plans that they found to bomb Manhattan and D.C. with a surprisingly small amount of food totem. Obadiah goes to meet Howard Stark and threatens to kill him with bombs, so he is led away, but then Obadiah ends up using the tech he has made to make the guards program to kill Howard Stark uh, when they can because he's working for Dolores. Dolores told him that Howard killed his father, but Obadiah doesn't believe him, and Dolores, getting controlled, sells out Whiplash, and then is programmed to forget that he got mind control. And what he had just said. Yeah, it's like Dolores somehow gave Obadiah mind control technology. He was supposed to control two guards. He only controlled one. And then he controlled Dolores to find out that Whiplash killed his dad. But like, once again, none of that was established previously when we saw Stain Sr. get killed. Nope. That night, the guard who was controlled comes in, shoots another guard who's playing chess with Howard, and then is killed, but not before shooting Howard, leaving him in serious condition. Tony gets angry and thinks that it might be tied to plans that they found for the bomb. So Tony looks into things and finds out about the control drug from the warden that Obadiah had used and then meets with the agents who inform him that the government wants one of their robots because they think it's intelligent, but it's not actually the government who wants the robot. And Iron Man goes to threaten Obadiah in his bed for drugging the guard and planting the hair, and Obadiah gives up that Dolores was the one who wanted the robot, not 
the government. I sure. This is not good. The government then explains that Dolores is an arms dealer who didn't like Howard or Zebediah refusing to sell weapons, so the government plans to stop Dolores using Obadiah's bait. When Obadiah is supposed to meet Dolores, though, Whiplash comes instead and tells him to go to his car, but it's blocked for, uh, from them listening, and inside Obadiah is still working with Dolores. He says that Tony Stark pilots the Iron Man, which is actually what Tony had expected. Dolores doesn't believe it, and then Tony goes and offers Iron Man in exchange for the name of whoever has the nuke that wants to destroy New York City. And they plan to meet on a plane so nobody can escape. It's very weird, because, like, Tony's supposed to be listening to this the entire time from, like, a building far away, and he's unable to hear the conversation. I did not write that out very clearly. I am sorry but for that. But he still knows exactly um, what happened. Yeah, like he was expecting all of this. It's some badly written Batman. Oh, I'm doing this 10 steps ahead of you bullshit. So Tony ends up bringing in another student, Abe Zimmer, who's a normal Iron Man character, apparently, to make a loose artificial intelligence for the Iron Man suit, hoping to fool Dolores long enough that they are able to get the nuke information so they can stop the nuke. Whiplash and Obadiah go to attend the meeting as well on the plane. So Tony gets on the plane, tosses out Whiplash's whip, and frees Obadiah, who got gagged for being annoying in a sequence that does not really work. I understand why they gagged him. Supposed... Oh yeah, no, I do too. But it's just they're trying to do this four-panel gag where it's like Obadiah talking a lot for three panels, and then the fourth one... He's bound and gagged, but it's not set up well just because there's so much text and Whiplash doesn't move at all during mm -hmm. it. And also, it, you have to sort of like zoom in to see that it is a shoe in Obadiah's mouth and not like a water bottle or something. Oh yeah, I didn't even notice that. So... Dolores shows up and he isn't happy that the robot is acting differently and they take off while Abe is accompanying the Iron Man suit to be checked on. Tony then gets the address of the bomb and it's defused but they don't have the terrorists so Tony realizes that he still needs to find another nuke and then realizes that they are stuck on the plane and Dolores who has left uh, has set it to crash with the second nuke on it. Uh, Rhodey meanwhile goes in to save Abe and the Iron Man suit and so with the bomb set, Tony, Obadiah, Whiplash unable to communicate, and with the outside world, they try to figure out why. Rudy, meanwhile, leaves one of the scientists alive and wires $200,000 into his account to make Dolores suspicious of why he survived. And they aren't entirely sure why everything has been so simple to stop, and they haven't really been making that clear that that's what we're supposed to be thinking. And then Rhodey finds out that Dolores actually got killed. So Tony, meanwhile, hacks into the plane with his nanobots and finds some radio signal devices and gets the plane uh, lower enough so that Obadiah and Whiplash can jump out while Tony stays on to pilot enough, long enough to stop the bomb and blow up the plane. But he does not like give enough time to jump out and so he is caught in the blast and he is partially blown apart. But he also used nanobots to make signal devices and so those start to work. And they are all picked up. 
Sima then goes to check on Howard, who thinks it was a sales pitch. Uh, some guards come in to transfer Howard back to prison, but Sima sees that they never got orders and works to take them on so that they can escape. Tony and Howard celebrate surviving, but realizes that Lonnie Stark was behind everything. Howard, Obadiah, and Nafara go to track her down before a missile destroys their helicopter, injuring Rhodey in his war machine suit. Tony goes to fly him off to the hospital while he calls in troops to help. Obadiah, meanwhile, is accidentally pushed off of a cliff where Iron Man flies back to save him, and Obadiah is captured by the soldiers, and Sima is actually taking Rhodey to the hospital. It's just all very confusing, but we're almost done. We're almost done. So a trio of helicopters end up going to attack this base in the front, and Tony realizes he is supposed to sneak into it. Obadiah is reunited with his mom, who doesn't actually care about her son that much, always knew that Tony was in the suit because she saw him building it years ago, and Tony starts chasing after her. She releases poison gas, leaves Obadiah behind, and then a rock slide starts, and Tony's able to save the two of them. Lonnie, meanwhile, has captured Howard and Nafara. She kills Nafara, which, like, does not really have any impact because she was just, oh, here's a black person for Rhodey to fall in love with and who's also smart. That way people can't say that I'm racist. Mm -hmm. And then she also starts killing her own guards before killing Howard. And she talks about how she can't rely on any men except for Tony and she just wants power. Tony comes in, she shoots Howard not to kill him, but to injure him, and she says that she will save him if uh, he gets out of the suit. Meanwhile, Seema checks and finds out that nobody knew that she had the secret base that she was operating as part of the government for whatever reason. So Tony Stark gets out of the suit, he is shot in the head, and she thinks that Tony is dead. But instead, he just beats the shit out of her, and before he kills her, Howard's like, nope, don't shoot her. And then Obadiah shoots his mom because he was betrayed by her. And that's how it all ends! The end. I hate this story. Fuck you, Orsky's got card. What a delightful romp. It's, um, one of the worst things that I have read in a while. Yes, very much so. So, yeah, um, we got a question. Uh, uh, Tell us the name of said question, Luke. That doesn't make Tell sense, us. Kevin. Uh, good, our our good friend and collaborator, uh, Frunding Loom, uh, Sam, from Exile, wants to know if Tony's ass cheeks are his brain. Is one of the cheeks creative and the other one the logical cheek? The answer is probably. My answer is I don't think Orson Scott Card understands how brains work. And then here, but then I guess here's the next question I have, which is: Does his brain grow? Does his brain grow every time he gets an erection? (laughs) 
Those are the hard-hitting questions that everyone should be asking. I don't think you understand what the terms hard-hitting mean. Uh, all right. So thank you for sending in that question, Sam. Uh, we got three stories to rank on here. Up first is Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1, numbers 33 through 39, Venom. Um, I, I, I feel like it's better than the second half of Ultimates. Uh-huh. But I don't think it's as good as Ultimate Spider-Man uh, 1 through 7, Power and Responsibility. All right, so our new number eight is Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1, numbers 33 through 39. We then have Ultimate Iron Man, numbers 1 through 5, the first part. Is this our new bottom? Could that be the new bottom? What is currently the bottom, Luke? Spider-Man Daredevil Punisher from Marvel. You're damn straight it's worse than that. Uh, So that is our new number 30. And then I don't think the second part is as bad but i think it is still worse than spider-man uh devin we've reached over 30 stories on our list look at us now dad look at us now um yeah this was not good oh no god no not at all uh, this was a mistake, and I understand why all of our friends were worried about us doing these. Yeah, it's been a while. I've read that story actually once before. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like all of this will have been in vain because we find out that it's all just an anime that Tony Stark had made about his mm-hmm. own life. Uh, Which, next do you time, think he's mad uh, about that now in retrospect? Like, oh, I wish it hadn't sucked so bad. I don't think he cared. Maybe. I mean, he had a lot of options. But also, I don't think he cares about comics as a medium. No, 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 no. Do you think Tony Stark is mad? Oh, that he made the anime That his anime show is so shit. Oh, no, I don't think think Orson Scott Card gives a shit. No, I want to know, do you think... What's-his-name's pissed? I don't think so. I don't think he really cares. Because he's got money and he doesn't watch anime because he has sex. Ah, fair. (laughs) Uh, that's not to say that if you watch anime, you can't. That is false. That is exactly what Luke just said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, next time on Ultiversal Q, do you know what we're covering, Devin? Ultimate X-Men again? Uh, yes. As we're going to deal with some Hellfire and Brimstone. And also, Ultimate War. What is it good for? Nothing. Say it again. Absolutely nothing, Luke.
Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's no superhero movies coming out between now and then. So. We have a slight break. Wait, no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Endgame will have what, come out three what's... days before. No, because our next episode is on the 28th. Yeah. Oh, oh right. Endgame comes right, out the 25th. It. Oh. Woofa doofa. Okay, well, we have a bonus episode coming up for Endgame then. So, yeah. Uh, Y'all get ready for that. Finger snap. Bum 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 ba dum ba dum bum 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 ba dum ba dum bum 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 uh, me and Zach, aka Xavier Files, aka Zaddy Buns, aka Big Zaddy, Zachdos, yeah, aka the man with the X Men blanket. Uh, we are going to be doing a panel on comics criticism. What is it going to entail? It should be good. Uh, 45 minutes or so of us going through how you can be better about talking about comics, treating people with respect online, and also I'm going to make a lot of talking points about how Ultimate Iron Man is bad. Nice. The world is also, uh, if I, Also, if I raise another $40, I will buy a suit of the lizard from Amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield one, and I will wear that at the panel. Yes. It is a bad idea, but I have already raised 45 out of the $85. So if you want to see Zach get frustrated with that, why? But if you want to see me do it a really good goof, look at my Twitter. You can find stuff there. Uh, Devin, if people want to see what good goofs you're posting, which that's probably just like, Star Wars memes? Oh man, there's going to be a lot of those coming out. Now that sequel memes and prequel memes are going to be merging. With the return of everyone's favorite big baddie, Sheev Palpatine. General Grievous. Grievous can come back too. He's mostly a robot. Okay. Well, um... Yeah, where can people find you online? Oh, which you can find me online at Fred Ofet, that's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T, and Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at, K, at you can find me on Twitter at, at Coltreg, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. You can also find both of us on the Exide Podcast at exidepodcast.com, our weekly comic adventure RPG podcast that we do with other friends. Uh, we have a free comic book day special coming up that Devin is not on, but it has Al Ewing, a comics writer and frequent guest of this show. So look forward to that. And we'll also have a special coming up in time for Ultimate Avengers. So, uh, yeah, 
Altiversal Q slash Multiversal Q is a alternating week podcast with bonus episodes. Uh, find more about us at Multiversal Q slash Altiversal Q. We also have a Facebook. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating or a review. And if you like the show enough, uh, you can donate at the Patreon, which is under my name. Uh, I think that wraps us up for this week, Devin. Nice. Uh, I think we did good. I think we did the right amount of respect for Ultimate Iron Man, the most influential cornerstone of the Marvel Ultimate Mm -hmm. Universe. Next time, we'll catch you on the flip mode. Peace.